0: Welcome to the Thunder Buddies Podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell, here to recap the Thunder's 107-102 to 102 loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers on Saturday night at Pacom Center. Barry, th- this one, you know, fun back and forth game. Thunder gets up by as many as 18 points. The Cavs, which are on the last game of the six-game road trip, a really gutty effort, I thought, at the end. Darius Garland was a star tonight. He's turning into just a star altogether. He had 27 points, 18 assists. His 17th assist was a no-look lob to Evan Mobley to put the Cavs up four. His 18th assist uh, was to Laurie Markinen for a three-pointer that was the dagger. So Garland was the star all night, and then he had the two big passes to end this one. And... um, kind of like we've talked about, the ideal Thunder loss, uh, a fun one where they still lose and help their lottery odds.
1: Yeah, you know, they played really well, I thought, for three quarters. And then even when, even when the Cavs got back in it there in the third, they were down 18 and, and cut it to, I think, two by the end of the quarter. But the fourth quarter, the Thunder just uh, seemed lost on offense. I think they went, let's see. Uh, I think they scored 10 points in 12 minutes from like the two-minute mark of the third quarter to the two-minute mark of the fourth quarter. They scored 10 points, which, you know, that's going to get you beat almost any night in the NBA. And so that's really what happened. Um, But. It was sort of fun, I thought, watching Cleveland because—
0: Cleveland is—I inc- love Cleveland. Yeah, they're they're yeah, they so get,
1: much fun to watch. They are, and they've got a unique team, and it's an unheralded team. You know, no, none of them is—what are they now? 26 and 18. Nobody saw that coming. They yeah. play two centers. And like a journeyman coach and J.B. Bickerstaff. Yeah, they, and they're starting this guard I never heard of, Lamar Stevens. I don't know what that's all about, but— um, They basically start three seven-footers. Mobley, yeah. Allen, and Markinen. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, it was funny watching Giddy, Josh Giddy, run around guarding there during the first quarter because Markinon's so much taller than Giddy. Giddy's usually, you know, if he's if he's guarding power forwards, it's usually sort of burly guys or something. But it, it just looked like it was uh, – Markinen was a head taller than Giddy, which, you know, you don't see that very often. But um, – It was fun watching Mobley because we'd heard so much about him and speculation so much with Oklahoma City. And, you know, just watching the game, I kept thinking, well, you know, he's not ending up doing all that much. And then at the end of the game, he's got 20 points and, uh, you know, five rebounds and two block shots and only eight of 14 shooting. So he's clearly effective.
0: Also, he just disrupts, like, you you can feel his presence around the rim. He just disrupts so much – would never show up in the stat sheet like layups that aren't even right.
1: attempted because he's just down there. And with Allen, they're figuring out a way to play him with Jared Allen who's the same way, who's really Exactly. So, you know, it, that that's what makes him one of the more unique teams in the in the league. And you know who else it was fun to watch tonight? Kevin Love. he's sort of resurrected himself. He's had a great you know. season. He might be. He might be a candidate for sixth man of the year.
0: He, he definitely is. Oh, I I was thinking about this the other day. So, uh, Love is a sixth man of the year candidate. I think both Allen and Garland are most improved player candidates. Um, you know, Garland, Mobley, Allen. One of the three. All three at least deserve some sort of um, thought for the Eastern Conference All Star team. Um, Mobley's the front-runner for Rookie of the Year. J.B. Bickerstaff could win Coach of the Year. They could, like, sweep all these awards. There, there's so many guys who fit those categories for them.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, Old Love, I was doing the math. I did the math in the in the game tonight. This is his eighth year with the Cavaliers.
0: Yeah, I mean, two more somebody, than if- he spent with Minnesota.
1: Exactly, and I just think of all those nights when, when the T-Wolves – The Timberwolves, with Love and whoever else, I don't even know who else they had, nobody of substance. Rubio. Yeah, they'd come in and either upset the Thunder when the Thunder in their glory days or play them real tough. You know, they'd go overtime. It'd be 141, 138, and Love would score 41 with 17 rebounds. And I just, you know, I think, oh, you know, he's been with the Cavs a few years. No, he's eight years with Cleveland. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, I, I I thought the same thing. I went to his basketball reference page tonight and counted, you know, his years with Cleveland, years with Minnesota, and also was surprised that he's he's already beaten Minnesota by two years as far as how much time he spent with Cleveland. And, you know, he Darius basically, we've talked about his improved defense. Like, Love got the best of him on a few possessions, and, you know, Love was like curling around screens. He's like playing like a guard just the way he's shooting the ball right now. It, it's It really is cool to see him sort of have a resurgence, especially after the last couple of years when he has not um, hide. He's not tried to, to hide being pouty and upset with, like, you know, playing with Garland and Sexton and not getting the ball and just all of this stuff. And now he's, like, totally into it. And he's he's so vocal on the bench. Um, he's cheering on his teammates. By the way, speaking of vocal, I not spent too much time around J.B. Bickerstaff, but the Cleveland Cavaliers coach – I, I was able to sit on the front row tonight. He's one of the most fun coaches to sit on the front is row. Is he really? With. Yeah, he's just like, just giving the refs trouble all game, but in very funny ways, and uh, just has a sharp wit about him. So, I'll, and just is loud, and you know, Dagnalt is, is sort of the same way. They they sort of remind each other, remind me of each other and their personalities.
1: Well, that's cool. You know, the thing I love about JB is, Is his dad because I remember his dad from almost when I was a kid as an NBA coach. And he had, I always thought that was the coolest name of all time Bernie Bickerstaff. Yeah. And I just thought that's the coolest name for a basketball coach. And uh, Bernie Bickerstaff, he, uh, shoot, I can't remember what he did. I think he coached the, the Wizards or maybe they were the Bullets at the time way back in the way back in the day, maybe in the early in the late 70s maybe I can't remember let's see uh, look that up. Uh, he was head coach of the uh, San Diego Rockets 69 to 73. That's what it was. Wow And then he was head coach of the Seattle SuperSonics 85 to 90 and then the Nuggets and then yeah and then he, and then he was head coach of the, the Bullets and Wizards in the late 90s. Uh, and then the Bobcats. 04 to 07. So he had quite the career, old Bernie Bickerstaff, uh, who's still alive, 56 and 20, 70, 76 uh, years old or so. But, uh, yeah, so I'm pulling, you know, it seemed like J.B. Bickerstaff got a bad, he got a bad draw in Houston, it looks like to me. So I'm sort of pulling for him. Um, What do you
0: think about, just in general, that that core moving forward? I mean... Darius Garland, With, uh, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. They've also got, like, Isaac Okoro was a really high draft pick. Um, I, seems like a good defender, Okoro. Yeah, he is a good defender. And the Cavs, the Cavs' defense, we're at the point of the season, it's legit. They're third in defense behind only yeah. the Warriors and the Suns.
1: Well, and I'm actually a sort of a fan of Colin Sexton. I know he's not... Some people think he probably needs to be on the outs of the Cavalier plans. But yeah, I think he does as well. But he's a pretty good player, and he you know he shoots a decent percentage. Maybe maybe they think he shoots too much. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and but, another problem is like him and him and Garland together, they're just undersized and would get pushed around a little defensively. And and Sexton needs the ball in his hands so much. So I like Sexton. I think there's a fit for him. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's Cleveland, especially with how well they played without him.
1: Yeah, let's see, Colin Sexton. You know, he's a career 38% three-point shooter for crying out loud, and has averaged 20 points a game in his NBA career. So it seems like maybe uh, it seems like maybe he could. Somebody would sort of like that. I think so. Maybe we'll see. I don't I don't know if, if he's be trade bait or not. He's what? I, I guess he's uh, gonna be a restricted free agent this summer. So uh, maybe they could do a sign and trade type of situation with somebody.
0: The the coolest thing about Cleveland, and you mentioned it, like the NBA game has just become everyone's doing the same thing, trying to go small. And the Cavs start those three, seven footers, they start two basically true centers and Mobley and Allen and they don't mention this before the game, but like it's it's worked. Like their their rim protection is so elite because of those two guys. So they're about a middle of the road offense. Um but they're an elite defense and it's fun to see like a team try to go about it a different way. And it's not like maybe you necessarily plan to do something like that. Um, They probably grabbed Evan Mobley knowing he was the best player available, or at least they thought he was, but they found a way to make it work. And it's, it's been fun.
1: Yeah, it has. And, um, you know, when you go back to, when you go back to Kevin Love, he seemed like a candidate for a salary dump. Uh, Maybe, you know, Oh yeah, there was talk maybe the Thunder could get in that, you know, take on Kevin Love's salary, and you know maybe Cavs, you know, give the Thunder a decent pick or something. But um, now they're trying to he, win. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, and you know, if they'd have made that trade in the, the way Love's playing, he'd have only helped. He'd have only hurt the Thunder's lottery chances. So, mm-hmm. um, it's a good story. I don't know where they'll finish. I mean, I assume fifth or sixth in the well probably not fifth sixth or seventh in the east probably um but i like their future they got for the first time for the first time in forever since maybe the mark price days they've got a non-lebron you know future yeah so that's got to be exciting in cleveland
0: yeah i didn't even realize it until like closer to the end of the game that I mean Garland, eighteen assists. That was a that was a career high. He had twenty seven and eighteen tonight.
1: Yeah, he was he was really good. I was
0: impressed with him. All right, let's talk about the Thunder, I suppose. The Shea, Thunder. Shea had twenty one tonight. Only took two threes, Barry. That's becoming a trend. He's not taking a lot of step back threes or threes in general these last few games. Dort had seventeen, was not efficient. Uh, Robinson Earl was one of seven. That was pretty glaring. Giddy, 11 and 10. 10 rebounds, that is. 3 assists, but he tied his season high with 6 turnovers. He said after the game he was just a little loose with the ball. Basically, had 17 off the bench. I thought he tried to do a little too much maybe in the 4th quarter. Mamadi Diakite tried to dunk one from the free throw line. Um, he's fun. I'm all about the Mamadi Diakite minutes. Mike Mascala almost wrecked the Thundery's lottery chances. Barry, where do you want to go? Pick one. Pick one. Pick multiple. I I just said like eight guys.
1: I actually, I'm not back on the Darius Baisley train. Is there a train? But I am I am standing on the platform. I'll say that I'm I'm standing on the platform. He's got me. He's got me. Wait, waiting confident. for
0: the train to come to, to come in.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking that <laughs> he might actually. He looked he's looking more and more like his old self which old self he's 21 years old but um he he still has a couple of issues where he where he takes a three pointer he shouldn't but I'm I'm liking some of the things he's doing and um yeah me too uh, so I uh, I think I think the reclamation of Darius Baisley has been a success in the same way that you know, they got, you know, Poco, Poku sort of turned it around by going to the bubble last year. Basley sort of turned it around by going to the bench this year. So, uh, I, I actually think there's
0: a not all-too-unlikely scenario in which he's – maybe they like him so much that they want to keep him in this role, but I think he could get back into the starting lineup. And I asked Mark about that before the game. So, Basley, since he's gone to the bench, he's primarily played center. Um and again, in today's game, you can get away with that. And we've talked about it before. We like him best as like a rim rolling center on offense and a rebounder and a shot blocker on defense. So that role really fits him. So I asked Mark if he considered Baisley in that role uh, in the starting lineup. And he said they did. They never went to it. But basically it would mean, you know, like, for example, on in, in the team as it is now, you could start Wiggins at the four Basley at the five—that's really undersized. Maybe you can't get away with it against some teams. But Robinson Earl and or Favors has exclusively started at that uh, starting five spot. But say Favors isn't on the roster later this season if Muscala is resting or out or whatever his situation is. Like I think Baisley could could be the starting five, it's not like Robinson Earl, you know, he's done some good things as a rookie, but he's sort of cooled off a, a, a bit. And Baisley's outplayed him, I think.
1: Yeah, and Baisley has more upside. And that's really what this team is about, finding out who has upside, right? I mean, the, the odds that Jeremiah Robinson Earl is going to be a decent player on a good team. The odds are fairly long that that would happen. So, you know, that's what I think. The
0: ideal scenario is he's a role player on a good team.
1: Right. And I don't think that's – I think that's a long shot. Well, Baisley, frankly, already has shown that he can do that. He has done that. I mean, He he actually did it. I mean, it's not – this isn't speculation. He was a decent player in that in that playoff series against Houston two years ago. So, um, so I I, I, I'm, I appreciate the Thunder. I salute them for not for not uh, not throwing dirt on on Baisley's career because you know he certainly gave him reason to. But he's showing some he's showing some stuff. I I, I like it. Hmm. Where else do you
0: want to go? Um- Hey, what, one quick note I thought was interesting. Mark Dignold, uh so Andrew Schlecht asked Degnault about, you know, Mascala's on-off numbers are so outrageously in the positive on a team that's mainly in the negative, and, like, does that warrant him playing more? Obviously, he asked that. We know that going in that, you know, that Mascala doesn't fit with with the timeline. He's more here because of the leadership and yada, yada, yada. But Mark also said he's been dealing with an ankle injury throughout the whole year, and that's why he's playing in short spurts. He also had the ankle injury at the end of last year. But um, first he said he's been playing through something, and I asked what that something was, and he said it was an ankle. I, I just thought that was sort of a bit of info that we I, I had knew nothing about this whole season.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I certainly didn't know. Other you know, that there was anything chronic going on with Muscala. He's looked more lively than even in the past years in terms of defense. He's not hadn't been awful. Usually he gets lit up pretty good. Um but he's been he's been a solid player. Um you think you think they're interested in trading him or are they you know or are they pretty sold on keeping him.
0: I would be very, very surprised if they traded
1: him. I'd be surprised. What about you? Yeah, I mean, just the way they talk about him and the way he talks about them, I mean, it sounds like he's found where he wants to stay. Yeah.
0: And obviously, like, a, I mean, a team is not going to offer a first-round pick, but say they did, I think the Thunder would almost have to take that.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it'd get a – first round pick. Yeah, no,
0: but, I mean, there, there's no chance. I'm just saying, like, if the offer was, like, so crazy, they would have, yeah, like, the right. whole, they the have whole their culture leadership yeah. thing. Okay, yeah. we appreciated it. Now, it has know. its limits.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 It's like when the uh, you know Carl Yastrzemski went into the Boston Red Sox front office in 64 and said, I hear you trade, trade me. And the guy said, general manager says, well, if the Giants offer Juan Marichal, we'll probably trade you. But otherwise, you're pretty safe. So maybe that's the way it is. You yeah, know, that's, Muscala, it, that's
0: exactly what the situation reminds me
1: of, the, <laughs> the Juan Marichal <laughs> comparison. Well, I mean, if, 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 I mean, they can actually tell Muskie. They can say, listen, if somebody offers us a first-round draft pick, we'll probably take it. Yeah. But otherwise, you're probably safe. So um, most people are tradable. Most that's people true. are not untru- touchable. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's very true. Wilt Chamberlain got traded twice, so you know if Wilt can get traded, I think Mike Muscala can probably get traded. So,
0: do you have um, a flashback of simpler times with Diakite and Jerome on the floor together?
1: Um, i I did have flashbacks of uh, of that uh, that weekend in uh, in Columbia, South Carolina. Did you see where I made it and had a note in my Scissor Tails about? Johnny Dawkins and UCF. Yes. Central Florida playing against uh against uh Duke in that series. I mean in that uh Taco sub-site. Fall
0: versus Zion.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a good ball game. That was that's called disappointment. Oh, that was a that was a killer.
0: Also, but speaking of that trip, uh you know who was covering this game for the AP
1: tonight? Uh I think it was uh Irish Joe Bettner. Joe Bettner. Yeah, going, so, back, to, watching, going back to the Back to the days of uh, when the Oklahoman had two Joes on the squad, and my nicknames, which often are derided, came in quite handy because it was easy to distinguish between. One of you went to the Mount, so you're you're St. Joe, and he went to the he went to uh, Bishop McGinnis, so I called him Irish Irish Joe. The, so the
0: evil I, empire of Bishop uh, McGinnis. <laughs>
1: Oh, picked at a scab. I see. I see. Picked at a scab. But uh, yeah, so I figured. I figured. I Joe was covering for the A tonight. Yeah. So
0: two former Cavaliers against the Cavaliers. You might say.
1: Yeah. There you go. There you go. The who's, as we learned. All right. Yeah, who's new? Who's, who's new?
0: Who's the Who's? <laughs> um, all right. We're gonna call it, Barry. Uh, thank you for doing this. Thank you all for listening. The Thunder uh, was back home tonight but they're about to go out again a four-game road trip dallas san antonio charlotte and then cleveland cleveland cavaliers a week from tonight next saturday um to finish up this series so thank you guys for listening to the thunder buddies podcast and we'll be back with you soon